is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today, we are tackling a topic that has been much requested by lots of y'all on Twitter and in our inbox. And I have to say that Bridget and I were super excited to dive into this topic of school dress codes. I was especially excited about it because this is one of those issues that teen girls are killing it on social media over. They are activists and creating protests and walkouts and organizing on this issue in a way that I find just oh so inspiring um, from a, you know, it warms this millennial feminist heart to see the generation coming up after us just owning this from an organizing perspective. Oh, anything where tween girls yeah. are leading the way in an activism kind yes. of situation, I'm always for it. All about it. Yes. And I am weirded out by the fact that after diving in a little deeper into the weeds around the research behind this, I'm feeling more torn than when I initially started. And let's back up a little bit. We're going to unpack all of the all of the sort of emotional journeys that we've been on, both Bridget and I, from um, our sort of political perspectives on whether dress codes are a good thing or not for high schools uh, and for high school-age girls in particular. But I just want you to know that this is an issue that I thought was a lot more clear-cut, which is not at all clear-cut. And I think that's part of what makes this such a hot-button issue that I'm so excited to dive in on. So let's start by just looking back at why so many schools across the United States in particular have implemented dress codes to begin with. This was a thing that became really, really in vogue in the 90s and 2000s, the aughts especially, in part due to the tragic rise of school shootings and the rise of gang violence in high schools. And so in the 90s, dress codes began to be more commonly implemented in the public school arena, not just their Catholic school counterparts, which public schools found themselves being compared to. Um, when it came to parents looking at school choices. Um, so public schools wanting to be competitive in that arena, wanting to keep their students safe uh, and, and sort of reduce gang violence from being more of a thing and school shootings and all that crazy goth stuff that we were all into. <laughs> Um, ball chain necklaces and Django <laughs> jeans. <laughs> and airwalks. Exactly. So, uh, so comes the rise of the school uniform or the school dress code. Two different things, right, Bridget, which we want to differentiate between. Um, so according to these proponents behind the pushing of school uniforms, they were going to prevent gang violence, encourage discipline, help students resist peer pressure. When it comes to buying trendy clothes at Limited 2 or wherever, um, helping identify intruders in the school. This was especially true after the rise of or after the Columbine school right. shooting, which was associated with what was known as the trench coat mafia. So there was a clothing element to that act of extreme violence that also added to the anxiety around school dress. This also belies the intent of diminishing economic and social barriers between students and increasing a sense of belonging and school pride and attendance at school. So there's this association between discipline and the school dress code. So I know that this episode is about dress codes, but 
I went to a school with uniforms for pretty much most of my life, and I actually love my uniform, and I found all of these things to be the case, all of the positives that proponents of um, school uniforms and strict dress codes say, I found to be the case with my uniform. Um, I don't know, we didn't really have a gang issue that I was aware of in my school, but it definitely made me less self-conscious about the clothing that I chose because I wasn't a very trendy dresser, and so I really liked ha- just having that be eliminated from the dynamics of school, right? You already are dealing with so much in terms of who's popular, who's not, who's rich, who's not. Having uniforms, for me, totally helped eliminate those barriers a little bit. It was so, like the great equalizer. Exactly, exactly. Right? What was your uniform like? So we had, um, it was a Catholic school, so we had a plaid skirt, um, a white Oxford. Mine was always oversized. I don't know if that was a choice or if my mom just like, couldn't be bothered. <laughs> um, a green, it was either a green pullover or cardigan sweater, and um, knee socks and brown tie shoes. And on special events, you had to wear your dress uniform that was Oxford shoes and a green blazer. Wow. And I lost my blazer sophomore year and I got so many detentions because of it. I never had it when I needed it. All right. So, I mean, that's a pretty typical schoolgirl uniform, isn't it? And part of my beef with all of this stuff, uniforms and dress codes, is that it boils down to here's how we approve of women's appearance in public. This is what a a woman must look like, or this is what a young woman or a girl must look like. And all the reasons I hate it when people benevolently police our speech is part of what I hate about the focus on a woman's physical appearance Mm -hmm. as being not only this benevolent, let me help you avoid boys' unwanted attention by telling you how to cover up your God-given body, and, and this is somehow putting the blame on you as a woman, But also, it's just like, focus on what I'm trying to say here, people. Focus on what's coming out of my brain. I'm a student. I'm here to learn. Please stop objectifying me, even if you're a well-intentioned school teacher. Right. It just make, it, it dehumanizes you for a second. It takes you out of that learning environment and says, oh, Emily, your shorts are too short. Yeah. And just going back to what I was saying, if I was, had my own school, I would definitely have uniforms. But in order to avoid the, the thing that you were just saying, yeah. all of the gross, sexist, weird stuff that comes from these strictly enforced uh, school dress policies, I think it'd be great if schools adopted unisex uh, uniforms. A lot of the schools in DC, DCPS, you just wear kind of loose fitting, loose fitting khaki pants and a oversized polo. Everybody wears that. Mm. I think that's better than just ha- even, even though I loved my uniform, that's better than saying, oh, Girls in public should be in a blazer and a skirt. This right. is how girls in public right. should show up if they are dressed for learning, even though I really liked my uniform. That's interesting. I, I also find it interesting when it comes down to the issue of free speech. So these I, these dress codes, this strict adherence to certain dress codes, has not always held up in court. Because it really boils down to restricting students' right to free speech, which is a constitutionally protected right in the United States. And I should note, this is really only true for the public school arena, because private schools can do whatever they want, right? Yeah. No one's forcing you to go to private school. Um, but in 2007, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld a lower court's decision to let a Vermont student wear a t-shirt that depicted President Bush surrounded by drug and alcohol images. Oh, I wish I could see this shirt. <laughs> it related to his uh, glory days of doing cocaine. Oh, what a good shirt uh, I bet that was. It was. So the school said this shirt is 
all about drug references, and the student said, no, this is a political message, and the Supreme Court weighed in saying that the kid was right and that this was part of his freedom of speech and that it it wasn't about inciting or encouraging drug use, which is part of the nuance here. Interestingly, the major cases on these issues have always dealt with men or boys which I thought was interesting. So that's not girl students who are being uh, defended and upheld. It's right. boys making some sort of statement with an edgy shirt. Exactly. Got it. And maybe that's changing. I, sh- I sure hope it is. But the major cases that have been dealt with on the Supreme Court level, especially in the 2000s, really had to do with high school male students' um, T-shirt messages themselves. So in both cases, the one I mentioned earlier and a later case that came out of the San Diego High School, uh, when they suspended a student for wearing an anti-gay T-shirt message, uh, the school argued that the T-shirt was hateful and inflammatory, but the Supreme Court basically vacated or set aside the decision of a lower court that upheld the student's right to wear that, um, saying it was his freedom of speech. Well, that I find I find so interesting is that, and I think we talk more about this later on, but girls who are getting in trouble at school because they're wearing a spaghetti strap tank top, they're sort of being punished for their bodies. These are boys who are wearing shirts that have messages on them that, you know, it's their right to wear it. Courts have determined in terms of free speech. Right. But it's interesting to me that they are the ones who are having their rights reaffirmed and upheld. Right. And young women who are, you know, like who is reaffirming their right to have their shoulders out? Well, luckily, tweens <laughs> right now. Uh, because this this is all done under the guise of helping students create a safe space for learning where they can focus on education. And that's, you know, that is the intent behind a lot of these rules. But the outcome is that women's bodies are policed in a way that men's bodies are not. And on top of it all, it completely locks the schools into this binary concept of gender. So we have to acknowledge for our non-binary gender-conforming folks that school uniform policies and strict dress codes really erase their ability to be have their freedom of speech upheld and respected um, when they're not dressing according to what the male dress code should be or right. is or proclaims is the right way for a little boy to dress. So the first part of this that I think is important for us to acknowledge is whether or not the intent to create a safe learning environment is actually being upheld. Is that what school uniform policies are actually doing? Now, like Virginia Draw, who's an assistant professor at Youngstown State University, I went into this process, into the research process for this podcast, thinking that school uniforms didn't really do that at all, thinking that they didn't actually help students focus. But as she says, after doing her research, she says, quote, I came away seeing that they do, at least at these schools they do. And I was absolutely floored. In her research, which reviewed 64 public high schools in Ohio, she concluded that schools with uniform policies improved attendance, graduation, and reduced suspension rates. She was unable to connect uniforms with academic improvement because of lots of other conflicting variables around, like, changing instructional methods and curriculum. But uniformly, (laughs) to put it that way, she did find a connection between creating those kinds of disciplined, focused student environments and school uniforms. 
having grown up mostly wearing uniforms, this doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I can't speak for the suspension rate or anything like that because my uniform actually was a source of uh, discipline for me, often forgetting things <laughs> or not having things I was supposed to have on certain days. But I think attendance is so important because if you get up and you're often running late like I was pretty much every single day of my life uh, and still am... <laughs> If you know that you just have to grab a wrinkled skirt right. um, from the bottom of your closet, it's the same skirt every day. In fact, I used to, when I was in high school, I would sleep in a pair of boxer shorts, and I would keep my uniform in the car. Right. So I would wear boxer shorts under my uniform. I would just basically put the skirt on in the car. So I had to. I woke up, you know, five minutes before the alarm and did nothing to get dressed, and that really did help me get to school on time yeah. and more often. It's an interesting dichotomy between a lack of choice... And the freedom from not having to make that choice. Oh. That's, that's tough for me. I'm having trouble. Like, I feel very um, ambivalent over this now in a way that I didn't when I first started. When you first started, what did you think about... Uh, I thought dress codes were total bunk. Here's the thing. I still feel that they are in the way that they're actually policed, in the way that they're actually enforced. But you can't argue with the positive facts here. They say that the research is muddled. They say that the research is inconclusive. And that's true insofar as... There are other researchers, like assistant professor at the University of Missouri, David Bresma, who in his 2004 book reached totally different conclusions, saying that there's no positive correlation between uniforms and school safety or uniforms and academic achievement. But then I see stats like this one from... uh Nevada middle schools in 2008 and 2009, where researchers at the University of Nevada, Reno, set out to find out what 1,357th and 8th graders thought about the implementation of school dress codes. Now, here's the thing. Even though, like me, the majority of students reported that they disliked wearing uniforms, so this is not a dress code, to be clear. This is a uniform policy. 54% of them agreed that they could still express their identity freely while wearing a uniform. 50% agreed that uniforms saved their family's money, which is an important class consideration here. But only 41% said that there was less gang activity. So the student's perception of violence, not a big deal. Saying uniforms were not strongly you know, related to gang violence. That said, when the researchers looked into school discipline and local police records and compared them to the prior year's data, discipline referrals were down 10%, and there were 63% fewer police log reports, graffiti, fights, and gang-related activity. That Again, that doesn't surprise me at really? all. Really? I, I, I just... I feel like when I, and again, I know uniforms, and we're talking about dress codes, but but we're now we've sort of dovetailed into uniforms, but they're sort of related. Yeah. Um, I think when I wore my uniform, it was just very clear to everybody that we were there to learn. And we weren't, like, we weren't there to hang out with friends, or we, it wasn't the mall, it wasn't after school activities, it was school. And I think in general, a Catholic school setting is very regi- can be very regimented yeah. and very disciplined, and having that being reinforced in your clothing just made that easier to internalize, I think. Mm. And I, again, I'm speaking purely from my personal experience, so other folks probably very much do have different opinions about well, this topic, but these numbers don't lie, and they don't surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, I really would like to see what else was happening in these communities during those years of dress code change? Because maybe there were confounding effects that were unrelated to gang activities. It's hard for me to think that this is as simple as changing your outfit and it changes your whole 
philosophy around violence. But maybe not. I was a public school kid my entire life up until college. And for me, I distinctly remember uh, always feeling like I was gambling with my school outfit of the day because I was a tall, I am a tall kid with long legs. And I came to learn very early that shorts that would get my shorter classmates not in trouble I were forbidden for me to wear. So what that made me intensely aware of is that my body was the problem. Right. And I, I was sent home on multiple occasions, and I distinctly remember being called out of class, and I'm thinking, who the hell reported me? Right? Who reports me? I'm in math class. Like, I don't frankly want to be here either, but you're going to pull me out of class, have me sit in the principal's office, have me call my parents who have jobs and were busy working and could be doing lots of better things than fetching me a pair of more appropriate shorts from school, make me feel ashamed that entire time I'm sitting there, and then make my dad feel embarrassed. Like, I remember seeing that shame internalized by my Mm. own father, who brought me this pair of shorts in the middle of the school day and sort of like, I think he wanted to apologize on my behalf. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think... That well, really messed me up. I don't like that feeling I, I don't like all. that either. And I think for as much as it sounds like I'm saying rah-rah school uniforms, rah-rah dress codes, I think even if the data shows that dress codes or school uniforms can improve schools in all these different ways, what difference does it make if these wardrobe changes show all these improved benefits for schools if they are implemented in ways that are sexist, shame-inducing, gross, that prevent you, math student Emily, from getting the full day's math instruction that prevent your dad from having to be able to, you know, complete his workday and that are shame-inducing for both you and him. See, I got you arguing for my side of this debate already. I just see the, I, I just see the nuance. <laughs> okay, That's all it, I'm saying. So let's talk more about all the potential negative ramifications of school uniforms and dress codes after a quick break. And we have to unpack not just the purported benefits of school uniforms and strict dress codes, but also what some of these negative, less easily measured ramifications might be. Because for all the research out there on school uniforms and dress codes, I have not seen enough research on how this can potentially negatively impact women's sense of self and the messages that were actually giving to all students when we tell women that they need to cover up their bodies in a way that we don't always tell men they have to. So the first negative implication to me is that this actually makes little girls and women, students like me in math class in seventh grade, much more conscious of our bodies. It it makes us feel self-conscious because defining what's considered, quote, offensive or inappropriate is where schools can promote prejudiced policies Even if those biases aren't intentional, they're saying that for students who attend schools like the Woodford County High School, where women's shoulders cannot be exposed and anything that reveals their collarbone is deemed too inappropriate or somehow offensive, you know, we're really making girls feel self-conscious, ashamed and uncomfortable in their own bodies, which I find to be a huge problem. It is a huge problem. And that goes into another big drawback of dress codes and school uniforms is that they imply that girls are responsible for not, quote, distracting male counterparts and that men are entitled to their bodies. And I found this quote about Woodford County schools to be very, very telling. 
It is not really the formal dress code by itself that's so discriminatory. It's the message behind the dress code. My principal constantly says that the main reason for it is to create a distraction-free learning zone for our male counterparts. And that's really, at the end of the day, what it comes down to for me. We should not be implementing school policies that make women and and women-identified students feel like it is their job to do anything in order to help male students not be distracted. Right. Male students are responsible for their own reactions. If you are a boy and you can't handle sitting in math class next to Emily in her shorts, <laughs> that is on you. That is a personal problem, and you need to figure it out because it's on you to graduate, not her. And I think these policies, they do make it seem like, oh, little Johnny can't help it. It's up to you to change your behavior, change how you show up, and a lot of times change your own comfort to make sure that little Johnny can pass math. Exactly. And it perpetuates this idea that boys will be boys, which is patronizing and insulting, quite frankly, to the free will of men and boys out there. And it also does them a disservice, in my opinion, of giving them this sense of entitlement over women should be punished for their behavior that incites bad behavior on men and boys' parts. Does and that make sense? It makes total yeah. sense. It reminds me so much of the episode we did around nipples, where in in one county, even though it was legal for women to be topless, the police tried to stop them from doing so because they were worried about the reaction of male motorists. And again, male motorists, they are resp- they're the ones driving cars. They are responsible for their own ability to drive a car. If they see a woman topless and they crash their car, that is on them. Yes. I think Teen Vogue put it brilliantly, as Teen Vogue has a way of doing, when they really asked, like, what message are we sending to boys anyhow with this stuff? Emily Linden put it perfectly when she wrote in Teen Vogue saying, you know what? I agree. Boys probably will find your body to be a distraction during class. Boys are sexually curious, as are people of all genders. No matter what, we are going to be distracted by each other's bodies sometimes. But why is that a problem? At some point, boys are going to need to learn how to be productive despite the presence of female bodies. They're going to need to figure out how to be seated next to someone with cleavage and still write that paper finish that math problem set, or do whatever it is they have to get done without losing their cool. They need to learn to manage distractions. But more importantly for everyone, they need to learn to manage what they do when they find themselves turned on by another person's body. There's no avoiding it. Throughout their lives, straight boys are going to be turned on by women they see on the street, coworkers, and acquaintances. They need to be able to recognize those feelings and then decide not to act on them. And I think that's exactly it, you know? In life, as adults, We are distracted by each other. We live in a society. I don't like this message that we're sending boys that they can sort of pluck out these distractions, whether they're sexual distractions or other kinds of distractions. We live in a society. You have to learn how to deal with it. I am distracted all the time (laughs) by bodies, by other things. And you know what I do? I deal with it. Exactly. And I don't think we should be teaching boys to expect that society will cater to them and their desires and distractions. Exactly. And it also sends this message to little boys that that we assume they're naturally predatory, which is disingenuous and not a good message to reinforce that, oh, we don't expect you to have free will or self-control, you know, that it sort of justifies. It's like the person who asks after someone reports being raped, well, what were you wearing? Right. And I also think... Honestly, if you unpack this enough, it's really insulting to boys. It really does not send the message that boys can be respected, that boys can be free agents of their own desires and wills. It it assumes that they're not fit to just be in society the way anyone else is. Exactly, which is insulting. It is insulting. And talk about learning disruptions. 
if we want to help boys stay focused in this case or help all students stay focused, does pulling people out of class because of dress code violations really achieve that end? I mean, do you remember when you were in school and someone would come in to give a note to the teacher? Yeah. The whole class would be like, <gasps> everyone stop and look. Yeah, someone, who's going to the Someone's principal? getting a note. Like, the whole class would come crashing down. As a former teacher... Those kinds of things are distractions. It's a distraction for the teacher, for the person pulled out of class who's missing 30 minutes of math or whatever, and for the students around you. Everyone's time would be better spent on other things. Exactly. In some instances, these girls were not only pulled from class and asked to change, but if their parent couldn't take the entire day off, some schools have them sit in detention for the rest of the school day to keep them from distracting their male counterparts because... What they're actually saying by that is her education is less of a priority than the education of the boys who could possibly be distracted. And that just, to to add another wrinkle of enragement on that for me, that seems so classist, right? If you were the kind of student who your your parent doesn't have the kind of job where they can just go, or, you know, maybe they, like if you, if you're... If your parent is a, is a low wage worker right. and can't, doesn't have the kind of job where they can just decide to leave and come get you or whatever, you are then forced to sit in detention. So compare that to a classmate who already has the privilege of having a parent stay at home and not work. Your parent can come and bring you an extra pair of shorts and you get to go back to math class and go back to learning. But the student who doesn't have that kind of home life, they don't. They have to sit in detention for the rest of the day. Schools are supposed to be the great equalizer of opportunity. Right? Exactly. I think that's what you're trying, yeah. what you're saying. Exactly. There, which is, if we're going to actually provide a level playing field for students through public education, we have to live true to that and understand where classism can impact the execution of that intention behind public education. Exactly that. That's what I think is, is troubling me so much. Totally. It's a way that it's not a, a, not an equal playing field along the lines of gender, along the lines of class. It's very clear to me that there's a hierarchy of who this works best for, and that is seemingly male students, and who this doesn't work out for. Exactly. And I'm sure parents listening and know the drill of, you know, having kids does sometimes mean getting that call in the middle of the day from the principal's office or getting the call from the school nurse when you have a child who needs to be picked up, right? It's like, of all the challenges that working parents face in today's society, which, by the way, our work lives do not always cater to parents' needs and do not always understand when a parent needs to pick up a sick child who's in need of retrieval for a real legit medical emergency, we have to add this to the plate of working parents. We have to add this on top of everything else that schools are are deciding as a priority for parents to worry about. It just seems not essential, and it seems to me more of a distraction from their education than the idea of creating a less distracting environment. And also the shame that these girls primarily who are pulled from class experience can be doubly traumatic. Not only are you missing out on your education, but you're then sitting in the principal's office or some of these schools force those girls to wear big oversized t-shirts that have lettering on them saying dress code violator. That is some scarlet letter style (laughs) BS. Exactly. And it gets even worse around prom season. Jessica Valenti, one of my favorite writers, who shared this take in her column for The Guardian UK, writes of a young woman in Virginia who was kicked out of her prom because the fathers attending the event thought her dress was giving rise to, quote, impure thoughts. What the hell? This is a 17-year-old girl who is sent home from her prom because a bunch of leering dads were getting 
turned on. Like, I how think gross is that? Each and every one of those dads needs to be, like, investigated or something. I also can't imagine being a chaperone as a parent at an event like prom and have something to say about a minor in that way. I can't even wrap my head around that. That's someone's... <sighs> well, this is super, super real and common now at prom. In 2014, staff at Bingham High School in South Jordan, Utah, turned away a dozen girls whose dresses they deemed to show too much skin. Even the girls who were allowed to attend the dance had to go through the ordeal of being scrutinized and judged because they were girls, they write in Teen Vogue. About a 100 girls total were stopped and examined. During this examination, they were, like, told to raise their arms and turn around and, like, bend over. This is not a prison cell, people. They are not being searched, okay? They're treated like criminals who are already expected to be in violation and then having to, like, put on this disgusting performance at in front of teachers who are then judging how slutty their students are. I mean, what a stupid thing to say. Like, how is that not, like, how is that not setting teachers up to feel uncomfortable and students to feel uncomfortable? I feel like if you don't feel uncomfortable in that situation, <laughs> something's up. Yeah. Like, if you're like, oh, yes, my favorite part of prom, when the girls jiggle and see if a boob pops out. Exactly. If that's you, you shouldn't be in a school. No. no. Exactly. And I just think what's awful is that the reason why these young ladies are going through that is just for being a woman, just for having a body. And I think, you know, we wonder where we get these really messed up ideas that we internalize about our bodies. We wonder where oh, they yeah. come from. They're Seriously. ingrained in all levels of our society. Absolutely, Bridget. And one of the final negative impacts that I really want to make sure we cover today is the fact that dress codes like this completely erase the presence of non-gender conforming students. It forces a false binary on student administrators who have to enforce this stuff, uh, as well as make it even more uncomfortable and challenging for students who identify as trans or students who don't conform to the gender binary. Furthermore, according to a recent study from the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, 19% of LGBT students were prevented from wearing clothing that were thought to be from another gender, and that number was even higher for trans students, nearly 32% of whom have been prevented from wearing clothes that differed from those designated for their legal sex. That is outrageous to me. And again, we live in a world where our world is diverse. We fall along a you know the spectrum of genders and the spectrum of the way that we present. This idea that you can be that cut and dry with, if you are this, you wear that, right. is is so backward. Exactly. Transgender students nationwide have been sent home for wearing clothing different than what's expected of their legal sex, and others have been excluded from yearbooks. And this includes male students who were adhering to the female dress code violation standards. In the research in preparing for today, I read about a transgender student who was dressing up for a thematic day, a throwback Thursday day, and he came in wearing a full wig and a dress that was sort of a throwback to 1950s fashion. Notably, the dress did cover his collarbone and it the skirt was beyond his knees, so even though it conformed to the kinds of dress code rules that the girls in the school or those who identified as girls were conforming to, he was still sent home by administrators. See, again, sometimes it seems like it's really not about helping kids focus or making kids more safe. It's a punitive thing that's about reinforcing this very rigid set of gender ideals. And exactly. That, that's what it's really about. It has something to do with this arbitrary, oh, if you can see your this part of your body or that part of the body, you have to go home. It's about 
reinforcing this really, really rigid understanding of gender. Yeah. And now these kinds of dress codes are instituted in over half of public schools across the United States. So when we come back from a quick break, we're going to talk through what the teens are doing to make a change on this front and how you can actually implement a dress code without being a jerk. We'll be right back. And we are excited to talk through how teen girls are going to save us all, really. And teen girls have been at the forefront of the pushback that is rising and the, and the mainstreaming of feminism uh, on high school campuses nationwide. One of the ways in which teens are pushing back on dress codes that are unfairly sexist in how they're implemented or anti-trans students and anti-LGBTQ students uh, is by using social media in a really powerful way. Tweens and social media? Who would have thought? <laughs> exactly. For evidence of this, just check out the hashtag, I am more than a distraction, which pulls up on Twitter a ton of photos of students who are dressed seemingly appropriately in a way that I wouldn't find distracting and sent home nonetheless. So this is how parents as well as students are saying, look at me, like, this is what gets me, a high school 17-year-old girl, sent home from school. And I think when you see some of these outfits, that's when it really becomes enraging. One story that I could not wrap my brain around was a student at Hickory Ridge High School in Harrisburg, North Carolina, who had a 4.4 GPA and a full ride to college, who a she was wearing what, and you know, if you look at the picture, it's fine. It's I, a peasant top that kind of shows her collarbone and kind of shows a little bit of shoulder. Basically, wearing this completely fine outfit, because of what she was wearing, a police officer accosted her, threatened her with arrest with his hand on on his gun. Right. It's important to point out she, of course, is a woman of color, so right. that's also part of it. And she was threatened with having her scholarship revoked for wearing, for daring to wear a peasant top. Right. I mean, they actually gave her a two-week suspension she wasn't allowed to graduate, and that put her scholarship at risk. Totally. So it's just unbelievable that this is a girl who, by the way, she was asked by an administrator to come to the office at while she was eating lunch in the cafeteria when this all went down. She didn't have a blazer to put on, but her friend did. So she got her friend's blazer and put it on. And they still treated her like a criminal. It's just disgusting how this is being implemented. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why this I am more than a distraction hashtag is so powerful to me is that it reinforces how punitive and arbitrary a lot of these policies can be. Exactly. Exactly. And remember that story about prom where the women were paraded outside of prom and had to walk through the gauntlet of being slut-shamed by their own administrators and school teachers? Well, that instance prompted Sierra Gregerson to not only put up a change.org petition, but also to stage a walkout with more of a 100 of her classmates to bring attention to just how disgusting it was to be treated like a sex object and feel like you were being judged as a sex object by your own teachers and schoolmates and classmates. And despite the media attention that was garnered around these protests and these change.org petitions and how much this has spread like wildfire... In Sierra's case, she never really heard back from her administration. Wow. As happy as I am to see these students really making a lot of noise and advocating for themselves in this way, it really shouldn't be up to them to create policies that aren't 
awful. Um, and so what are some of the ways that uh, people can be better about dress codes and uniforms and not have it be this awful, sexist, gross experience for students? Exactly. I think that's a great question, Bridget, because the the use of school dress codes can be done well. Even Teen Vogue admits as such. Uh, at the end of their article on this, Emily writes, listen, quote, not all dress codes are harmful. Some schools have gender-neutral uniforms or guidelines that aim to teach students about what will likely be expected of them once they leave school. After all, there are workplace guidelines for how to dress appropriately at work that people have to learn about as well. Um, She says even adults adhere to certain unwritten dress codes in different areas of life. So some of the ways that schools can do this right is to first involve students and parents early on in the formation of school dress codes. And don't let one slut-shaming parent, like, decide to write the dress code for you. I think this is absolutely something that gets more buy-in from students when students are more involved in the decision-making process and the formulation of these rules. Another thing to consider is removing really harmful language from policies, words like distraction. Again, words that are going to make certain students feel like their presence, their body, something is wrong with them. Taking those words out of the equation altogether can be a great way of forming dress code policies that are not harmful, toxic, and stupid. Exactly, and taking out the gender binary, too, while you're at it. Not holding people who identify as women or girls to a totally different standard as boys. Right, just treat students like students. Right. That's what they are. I think it's especially important to educate teachers, especially when it comes to things like gender nonconforming students, right? Mm-hmm. Teachers should know how to deal with this in ways that aren't awful and toxic. Yeah, and know that what might seem innocuous and benevolent might actually make a student feel uncomfortable because they're being objectified. Totally. And you really never know what thing you could say that's going to stick with a student for years. Yeah. You don't know some something you might not even be thinking about can be can be really shame-inducing and harmful to a kid. Exactly. Not to mention distract from their ultimate goal, which is to learn from you. They're at school to learn. So treating all students with that level of respect is really critically important. Yeah. And again, like I was saying earlier, my ideal school uniform would have been one that's gender neutral. I think gender neutral school uniforms can is a great alternative to having uniform policies that, you know, make it very gendered. I think that's a great way to, you know, do it in a way that's not so awful. Yeah. I have... I still, I don't think I can get on board with uniforms still. I think you can be chill about not objectifying students' bodies without everybody having to look the same. So there's a part of me that just, I see where you're coming from, but I also find it unnecessary and impractical to the overarching aims of what, especially a public school educational experience is supposed to be about. Oh, yeah. I definitely meant that more for non-public schools. I think that if you are a school, if you are a private school that has a uniform, I think that uniform should be gender neutral. That's what I'm saying. No, I totally agree with you then. Yeah. Even though mine was a skirt. Right. Exactly. Um, Also, I mean, we didn't even talk about how much of a sex object the schoolgirl uniform has become. I mean, Britney Spears, hit me baby one more time, right? If we were, I just think it's gross to have girls parading around in outfits that people have sexualized. What's so funny about that is that I think if there's anybody from my high school listening, shout out to SGHS, (laughs) but you would know that the girls, at least the girls in my school, because we wore uniforms, we were the grossest, rankest, most unwashed group of women (laughs) you've ever seen in your life. 
my my uniform was mustard stained for most of the year. Um, that that idea that you know, sexy Catholic schoolgirl. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. That was not my school. <laughs> came from a bunch of men. That's where more it like came from. unwashed, unshaven. <laughs> Is that skirt clean? What's that stain, schoolgirl? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I think the last piece of advice we want to sort of share here that I found really compelling is maybe flip the script on the whole idea of school dress codes that overly penalize women for the way that their bodies can be quote-unquote distracting to men. Instead, consider training the boys and the men, the administrators, the teachers, not to harass women or instead of blaming women's dress for assaults and harassment, for underscoring just how problematic that framing can be, let's teach our boys how to stay focused, how to be respectful, how to not judge, uh, and know that, you know, not everybody is going to look exactly the way you want them to look all the time. And I think at the end of the day, the sooner we can get on board with that and allowing not just freedom of expression, but allowing people's bodies to not be offensively distracting to you, we can all get down to the business of learning from each other. Definitely. I want to have one more thing in there. If you have a person in your school who seems to be, how can I put this? I think a lot of school dress code enforcement comes from a place that is skeevy and gross and weird in a sexual way. I think if you see that, don't be afraid to call that out. I I read a lot of these stories about male administrators and male chaperones at dances and stuff. If that stuff seems weird, maybe it is. Yeah. Also, I... I've seen it, in my experience, from other women coming down on... This is the other thing. We never really got to it in the episode. But before we close out, this also pits women against women. Mm. Remember what I was saying about shorts? I was pointing at my other classmates saying, well, she can wear it, and you don't have a problem with her wearing these shorts. But I, somehow, this is a problem. We're wearing the exact same thing. I heard that come up again and again when I was watching testimony from girls who were who made documentaries like student made documentaries around dress code god love tweens i know right and technology tweens and social media hashtag tweens and social media for the win um but they were describing how well she's wearing the exact same thing but i got in trouble for it that makes me realize it's my body that's offensive it's not the garment that's offensive and it does in my experience that enforcement, that power trip that some teachers or administrators get can also reflect an internalized misogyny of saying, this is a good girl and this is a slut. Definitely. This is what a good girl looks like. And this is, I I feel entitled to basically slut shame women over the choices that they're making about their own bodies. Isn't it interesting how we've all internalized this stuff? Yeah, it's not cool. I just think it, it dehumanizes the intellectual potential of a student to make her feel the way that I felt, which was ashamed and like I should be apologizing. And I just, I don't want other women or men or those who don't fall in that binary to feel objectified in that same way. That's not the kind of priority that our schools should be promoting, in my opinion. So... We want to hear from you on this. It's fraught. I hope I hope we don't sound like we just flip-flopped on this idea 17 times, but it's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like this is such a fraught issue. I'd love to shine a, a spotlight on any schools that you feel are doing this well. Uh, as a parent, have your kids come home or have you been called from the principal's office about your kid's dress? Has this impacted your own educational journey? We'd love to hear from you. 
Any other questions you've got for them? Babe? Yeah. Did you wear uniforms when you were in school? Did your kids wear uniforms? How do you feel about them? Yeah. I'm probably one of the only people who is super pro uniform, but if you're not pro uniform, I want to know why. Yeah. I, I'd, we'd love to hear from you on this because I know you were asking for this episode and I feel like it left me feeling more ambivalent than when I started, but I think if anyone can save us on this issue, it's the tweens. The tweens. <laughs> The tweens, Teen Vogue, and the internet. Yeah, right? So send us a tweet at MomStuffPodcast. Shoot us a message on Instagram at StuffMomNeverToldYou. And as always, we love reading your listener mail at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. 